Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me in the studio today is singer-songwriter Sean William Clark. Sean, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm very good, thanks. Yeah. Happy to have you. Good. Uh, so listen, Sean, you are well-known in the Toronto indie scene as uh, an up-and-coming songwriter, and uh, your second album is called Topaz. Mm-hmm. It came out last year, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's got a little bit of a Sam Beam iron and wine feel to it. Is that accurate? Is that fair? Um, I could see some of those influences. I I definitely used to listen to iron wine a lot a few years back. Um, so I'm I'm happy to take that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Their guy love that band. They're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great, great songwriter uh, and just lovely voice and yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I get that feel from your mm, record cool. for sure. Uh, you know, Steve Stanley and I were talking about it, and uh, we're talking about your songs. And uh, he actually made the comparison to Bonnie Vera. Oh, cool! So, which is uh, high praise indeed. That is, yeah. yeah. And 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 so is um, knowing that Steve Steve Stanley talks about my music. That's pretty high praise too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a great musician, great song. Oh writer. yeah, Jimmy and the Moon's a fantastic record. Yeah. So, how's the reception for the record being good? Um, yeah, it's, it's one of the, I, I think everyone who's heard it seems to like it. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of getting more people to hear it. It's <laughs> always the way. That's the I biggest know. problem. Um, but, uh, I got a really great review in Exclaim magazine. That was, that was really nice to see. It was like, um, and then a few reviews online and everything's been very positive. Um, so it's just a matter of getting more people to hear it and, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. putting the good word. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, good for you. Thank you. Um, so in 2018, what are some of the things you're working on? Are you, are you playing gigs? Are you collaborating with anybody? What's going on? Um, well, I'm going to start booking uh, tours, a couple tours. Uh, I'm going to be heading east in April. Awesome. Um, which will be a lot of fun. I love the East Coast. Yeah, uh, for sure. That'll be great. And then I'm hoping to head back to Europe in the fall. Oh, wow. I was there last fall. Yeah. Had a great time and uh, hoping to do that again. That's so, great. Just in the just in the uh, planning stages of that. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Where are you playing in Germany? Or in Germany? In, uh, in Europe? Well, Germany. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, so la- the last tour I did Germany, Netherlands, and Belgium. That's awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. And uh, we got to see, we most of the dates were in Germany, mm-hmm. uh, and really got to see uh, a lot of different sides of Germany. Yeah. So we played in a lot of, you know, big places. We were in, you know, Berlin and Cologne, and mm-hmm. but we were also in places like Erlangen or uh, Bad Kreuznach or something like that, <laughs> you know, uh, these kind of smaller places um, that, uh, and it was really cool to see that contrast. Yeah. Um, because we played a, bunch, a few house shows and stuff, so yeah, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good luck, man. Yeah, that's, can't that's wait. To, can't wait to head over there again. Yeah. Hoping to maybe hit some Nordic countries uh, this time around, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, good. That's great. Okay, so you ready to uh, get into your songs? I've got yeah. your song list here. Yeah, let's do it. Some good uh, selections. I like these. So the first song that you've got here in the songs that make your skin vibrate is by Supertramp, and it's called School. Yeah, I, I kind of approach this, I guess, a, a chronological way, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and so Supertramp is not a band I listen to too much today. Although from the conversations we've been having, I, I spent the last couple of days re-listening to a lot of those albums, and they're really great. Isn't but, that cool? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, Super Tramp was the first band that I got into sort of outside of you know my parents' record collection. Yeah. Um, I had um, 
my I had volunteered at a, a, a like a garage sale thing, a fire for the fire hall. Cause my dad was a fire or still is a firefighter, okay. um, and um, <clears throat> I got to take something for working. The the we're volunteering, so they I, I grab I bought I grabbed a uh, an eight track player like this portable eight track player and and a box of eight tracks and it included uh, Crime of the Century and nice. Breakfast in America. Oh, both. And of them. I think Crisis, what Crisis was in there as well, but oh, wow. I didn't listen to that one as much. So uh, school sticks out because there's something a little dark about it, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, you know the harmonica at the start and uh, scream, the scream, yeah, the kids Cuts scream. I remember, and yeah, yeah and, and uh, I, I remember being really affected by that. And that freaked me out when I was a kid. I yeah. remember hearing that on the radio and going, "Holy shit!" Yeah, and yeah. I think that was my reaction too. And I was <laughs> I was probably maybe eleven or something at the time. Yeah, me too. It's a really interesting uh, form that song. Like it's not a, it's n- not very traditional by right. any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and re- and listening back to it, I, c- I couldn't help but think like how how did they piece this song together? Like mm-hmm, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I just I just for the life of me can't figure it out. Yeah, it's definitely an unusual. It's even an unusual Super Tramp track. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I guess that album, Crime of the Centuries. Is it a little bit? Well, I was gonna say it's a little bit darker than some Breakfast of the, in America, the definitely sure. than Breakfast in America, and yep. uh, you know, even in the quietest moments, yep. things like that. But um, it's a good one, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great tune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your next tune is uh, by Miles Davis, and mm. uh, it's in a silent way. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see how you you were influenced by this because if you listen to that song, I think it's like sixteen minutes long mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and the first maybe three or four minutes are very kind of ethereal and mellow and then it goes into a big jazz thing and then at the very end he finishes the same way yeah and I, I heard a lot of similarities between what he's doing and what you do on Topaz actually right well and Miles has been a huge influence on me uh, ever since and it was probably around high school when I first got into Miles um, a teacher had a Bitches Brew on mm. vinyl, and he had like a little record room at the school, so yeah. I'd go in and listen to it. But in a silent way, that that tune really stood out to me uh, more so, probably because of the the opening guitar bit, the John McLaughlin stuff. It's yeah. it's um it's a really it's a really simple melody, really expertly played, um, and so much happens in that song. There's there's a lot of you know it's really riff based, and then there's these moments that if you have patience and you wait for it you can it's like it really pays off like yes. there's there's a few riffs that show up in the song and then uh you know tony williams is the drummer on that and he's playing this like cross stick thing through pretty much the whole song through 13 yeah. minutes of the song this like great cross stick groove yeah. and then they have that fantastic riff and then he just explodes and miles you know of course responds with with this amazing horn line yeah and moments like that, that I, I like, I, and I love those are the moments are like the most amazing things when listening to music, you know? Yes, exactly. Like, uh, it, you know, and you can go through record after record to find, you know, just one of those moments and it makes it all worthwhile. But yeah, that was, uh, and then Miles ended up being a big influence all the way up to today. And he certainly was an influence on Topaz. Um, yeah. And probably was my gateway into some some of the new age stuff that's actually pretty good yeah. and um that kind of stuff that does influence more directly some of the work on topaz yeah yeah no i can definitely hear it uh your next one is by bob dylan 
and uh, a lesser known tune, Ballad and Plain D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this was on Another Side of Bob Dylan, yeah. which is his oh, geez, fourth record, I think. I could be wrong. Was it like 64, I think, that came I out? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's a pretty solid record. Um, and you're right, like not one that people talk about as much, but it's a, it's a record I really enjoy. And uh, I think Bob Dylan is, for me and for many people, is where I start paying attention to the lyrics uh, and what I'm writing personally. Yeah. And a song like Ballad in Plain D is, is a, a great example of how to write a song. What I love about the song is it's, um, it's uh, not a, it's not like a, it's not, there's a lot of things happening. It's not just like a, uh, you know, a crappy breakup song you hear where like, you know, where it's really one dimensional and, but yeah. there's a lot of like, you know, there's regret, there's anger, there's uh, remorse, there's yeah. all these sort of things happening with every line that it's really a roller coaster if you sit and listen to the lyrics and yeah. um, musically, there's not a lot happening. It's, it's kind of one of those typical kind of Dylan folk songs where it's, you know, it's just kind of a repeated verse, but he's just yeah. telling a story, yeah. uh, which I love. I, I I feel I'm always scared to do that myself. <laughs> well, yeah, he's well, he's typically got like ten verses in these songs, and it, you know, it can go on and on and on. Right. Think of something like Death, Desolation Row, which yeah. is like eleven <laughs> minutes or something, uh, and it's great. I you know I I, can't, I have to listen to the whole thing when it comes on, but. Uh, it's such a scary prospect to try to do a song like that. You know, no, oh, for sure. no choruses or, ver- or or bridges. You're just playing verse after verse after verse. Exactly. And you really gotta, you really gotta like trust your audience that, that they're, yeah, they're, that, that they, they tr- that they trust you, that they trust you, know, to, you. To, to tell yeah. a good story. Yeah. yeah, and and that one's that one's a, that one's great. If the, I mean, I'd heard it. And then I remember the first time I got it, the first time I, like, I'd heard it before, but the first time I listened to it, yeah. I was, I remember walking through, I was walking through Dufferin, Dufferin Grove Park, trying to get into a friend's place, and I stopped and just stood and listened to the whole song and was, like, crushed, you know, yeah. like, just like, oh, my God, like, what a, what a songwriter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's been, a, there's a bunch of his songs that do that, but that's one that really stands out for sure. Yeah, I agree. He actually... It took a little bit of stick for that when that song came out. I remember mm-hmm. reading that it wasn't well received just because you know people thought he was being you know petulant and, mm-hmm. and a little bit moany about the whole thing. Right. And I think that Susie Susie Rotolo mm-hmm. was interviewed later because he it's, it's it's pretty intense. Like it's mm-hmm. you know, and somebody asked her and and said so you know what, what's your take on that? Mm-hmm. And and she said I fully understand why he did it. Mm-hmm. You know the, the, this is his kind of this is his outlet his valve and this is his art form and and uh, it was intense and and a bit nasty but mm-hmm. it's that's what that's Bob Dylan. Right. Well, and I and I like that you know. He doesn't let himself off the hook in the song either. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, he he talks about, you know, putting his armor on, you know, and like yes. there's a, there's a really like, uh, I think there's there's real um, self reflective uh, moments in that song, and there's yeah. there's real honesty in it, you know, in like filmmaking or something, you know, where you're not getting like a just a black and white story, you're getting like real. Not real, real people with it. everything, with all that comes with that, the real, you know, and I don't know why I say filmmaking. I guess I started thinking about like Martin Scorsese films or something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, where it's, it's like real, real people who are a, a little fucked up or yeah. have, you know, their good sides and bad sides. But, and I think Dylan really does a really good job in that yeah. song. I agree. I think that, you know, with Dylan, you always get 
they, you know, it's it's never a glamorous kind of go, right? It's it's mm-hmm. you, you get the you get the the blood and guts of it. Yeah. So until now, until like now, when he's he's doing his Sinatra covers, yeah. you get the glamorous, <laughs> which is still great. I love it. I I don't know if you've you've listened yeah, to much of the new stuff, but strange uh, turn for Bob. Yeah, you know, I went and saw him play in Toronto last time he was here. Yeah, and uh, I'd seen him once before, maybe maybe 10 years ago yeah. and it was like one of the worst shows I'd ever seen I oh, was just wow, not really? you know I didn't understand Dylan enough I think at the time because to know that you know Dylan doesn't put a show on for you you know like <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but you know I thought it was like ACC and it was like his it's like a blues it's I felt like a blues band in like a giant you know oh, really I... and it, it sounded off it wasn't great for me but this time the highlights were his new songs when he's doing these um I'm gonna these kind of croonery tunes, because yes. uh, you know he would do, you know he do like a standard that everyone knows, and yeah. and you know he kind of clunk away at the piano. Yeah. He's not a very good piano player. He's just kind of like <laughs> slamming the piano, and then uh, but then he would like for these songs, you know he'd get out from behind the piano and get to this like old timey mic yeah. and and get into these like you know Bobby Darren poses and stuff, and it was really like really yeah, it was funny to see him like kind of. As animated as he can get, which yeah, isn't very much. Which, yeah. Uh, and he would do like Autumn Leaves or something, and, and his band is so good that yeah. it's just like those moments were really great. Yeah. So. It's funny because his voice is like nails, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it somehow works. It's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to mistake him for Sinatra. That's yeah, for exactly. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Your next tune, uh, I Love. This, oh, is, nice. this, this is a great selection. It's by the Blue Nile. Which is, uh, I think they're Scottish. They were like a, yeah, an I think so. 80s band. And they started like early 80s, kind of an electronic band. But this uh, tune, the Downtown Lights, came out around 89. And uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Was, yeah, from the album Hats. Yeah. Um, and it's a band I, I, I didn't know anything about, to be, to be honest. I'd never heard of them before. I have a friend. So I'm a big record collector. And uh, you know, with friends who are record collectors, and we'll, you know, we'll, we get together for, you know, real, real, real cool groups, you know, hanging around, <laughs> listening to records, uh, and we'll just kind of like everyone will bring a few records, and we'll, we'll say, like, oh yeah, I brought this because this, this, and this, and we listen to a side, you know, yeah. and everyone will kind That's of rotate. Cool. It's a lot like of fun, yeah. um, and it's neat because you can learn a lot. For know. sure. And it's also nice, you know, because people bring some, either something you don't know and you learn something or something you know and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But I have a friend, uh, this guy Morgan, he's a DJ in town and he, he he collects a lot of stuff that, like I went through his collection one time and I didn't recognize like anything. Like, you know, I'm not like the biggest music expert in the world, but I have I've a pretty good knowledge of of different genres and and i was just like what are these albums you know and he brought that album out to uh to a hang one time and uh this is recent so we're getting more recent in in my influences here (laughs) and uh i couldn't get enough of that album uh, and that song especially and i'm trying to pinpoint what about the music i like so much uh it's not as easy as like the bob dylan and the miles davis for example um, yeah, it, it's very distant and yeah. plaintive. Well, and it's you know I think all of all of my influences, not all of them, because uh, I don't know if Super Tramp would count as this in this particular case. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate uh, space and subtlety. Although Schools has a good use of space in it, and, yeah. and you know all these songs that I've picked uh, are at least five or six minutes long, up to you know 
whatever the Miles Davis tune is. Yeah. I, I like songs that take their time and have a lot of space. And and I think that's the nice thing about the Blue Nile is their albums, they're they're within this kind of like eighty late eighties pop yeah. genre, but it's not trying to achieve the same goals as that music. Like it's not looking for instant gratification. Agree. You know, you're using a lot of the same tools, yeah. uh, but but you're not going for that, you know? Yeah. Um, and his voice is, is, is just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great way of describing that song, because mm. you're right. You know, I think about bands that were around at that time in that same type of genre. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, the Blue Nile, I feel like, did have different goals for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't, like, there's no, there's not really a lot of hits, you know, yeah. <laughs> obviously, because, like, well, most people don't know who the Blue Nile <laughs> is, including I, me up until recently. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's the point. Uh, I'm really impressed by people who can work within, you know, a popular genre, but use, but, like, not trying to do the same thing, you know. Exactly. It's, it's really neat. You know, because to a degree, I think you can, you can hear that, you know, mm -hmm. as an avid music listener, you can hear when when bands are really reaching. Yeah, right? totally. But one thing I've always liked about them is that they don't they don't mind obscurity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that 2004 was their last record. Right. Or they have four records, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. Over yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But, but nobody knows, like, they never confirmed that they don't play together anymore. So they're just yeah. kind of like, nobody knows if they're together. Like, they're really... Um, kind of almost like an underground obscure band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't know much about them other, uh, you know, like which I guess kind of works for this music. Maybe I don't want to know m more about them, but I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah it's kind of this this thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, well, it's mystique. Yeah, yeah, and I almost I almost bought. So like I've been looking for their records ever since like mm -hmm. trying the, the, the two albums that they released on vinyl in the 80s and uh, they're almost impossible to find in Canada for yeah. sure yeah um, my friend he bought his I don't remember he bought it in Toronto but he paid he paid a lot for it like he he doesn't mind spending money for records mm -hmm. um, and I found a copy of the album that came up before that in um, a walk across the rooftops yes. I believe it's called um, in uh or was I? I was in Amsterdam when I was on tour. Yep. Uh, so basically, like when I go on tour or when I go anywhere, I I, I make a map of where all the record shops are, <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. and I you know I try to go, which is you know which is fun for me. Maybe not as fun for my girlfriend when we go on trips, but uh, she understands. <laughs> is, she, is she a music fan? Uh, like a big yeah, music fan? no, not like she's not like a not like me. Like she's not a musician mm. um, or anything. Uh, she she appreciates music, yeah. but. Um, not like as much as not as intensely no no yeah. i mean but she's she's great she doesn't mind it's just you know a lot of times when we go on trips she, she's like all right i'm she's like all right you go look at your record shops i'll go do this and then we'll, we'll meet back up in a couple you, hours you, you compromise exactly so i found a copy of that album when i was in amsterdam and i and i'm, I'm kicking myself ever since because i didn't buy it uh because i didn't have a lot of money um it was it was 19 euros mm -hmm. and I did the math wrong in my head, which is something I, I'm, is not unusual. I'm an awful with math, with yeah. numbers. And I thought it was more than it actually was when I actually figured out how much it was. Oh no. It was still, it was still more than I spend on records yeah. usually, but totally worth it for this record. Yeah. And it wasn't until I left 
that I kind of realized and I was like, oh, oh shit, I got to and I couldn't get back. I, and then well, you know what happened was I the next morning I was going to try to go before we left. Yeah. And I forgot what the name of the place was. Oh, and no. Amsterdam's not like I could just walk back to where it was. It's not yeah, like yeah, a yeah. not a grid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I anyways, I yeah, I left it behind so someone someone else is going to luck into that record. Oh, that's <laughs> too bad. What's the uh, record shop scene like? In Amsterdam, and, and they have a they have a lot of record shops in Amsterdam. Um, they have, they have a lot of stuff. Uh, I didn't buy anything in Amsterdam. Nothing like price wise, nothing really stood out um, as deals. But I mean, it's a pretty good city if you like records. Like, there's no shortage of places to go. Good. Um, Europe in general was pretty good. I came back with a few things. Yeah, there there are some good shops. Nothing that I'm I'm like, oh man, best shop in the world or anything. But yeah. But there were some pretty neat places to go. Oh, good to hear it's thriving still. I always worry about that. Yeah. Like the, you know, record shops and bookstores. Yeah, kind of well, record shops are getting the new lease on life these days. Now with like, the reemergence of vinyl, mm-hmm. for sure, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So it's nice to see. But the, the problem with that is that um, prices are getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like, everyone yeah. keeps jacking price. Even, on, you know, used stuff is going up, new stuff is going up. It's really kind of upsetting. Yeah. Uh, Cologne had some pretty good record shops. There was oh, kind of good. like a little area that had like four or five record shops that were that oh, was I pretty love neat. That. In, yeah, in close proximity. Yeah, That's so I, cool. I I dug that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a hound when I was a kid. Oh I was yeah, like hang. I you know what you did? You kind of draw like a little map yeah. and you know try to figure out like how much time you can spend at each based on the time that you have. You know, right. I used to yeah. that when I was when I was a kid going to. I grew up in a really small town, mm-hmm. but going Here to in, uh, uh, Canada or yeah in in, in, in Espanola. In Espanola, we would oh, go okay. To Sudbury for like the day when I was mm-hmm. you know before I got my license. Yeah. And uh, you know I'd figure out like. You know, we're going here and here and here. How much time can I spend in this record store right. and that one? And same thing. You just scour the place. Yeah. You know, for for what you're looking for. Yeah. It's, and it's, maybe some new finds. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you know, when there's more time, that's also something that's kind of nice to do is try to find out what's what's going on there. What are people listening to? Exactly. What's cool in you know in I don't know, uh, Friedberg or whatever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Friedberg. That's great. The discovery of new music is there's nothing like uh, that. Now. It never gets old for me. Me either. I, uh, which is, I don't understand people who are kind of you know as I'm you know as we're talking about albums that have influenced me in the past. <laughs> uh, I know I never understood people who kind of like only listen to stuff from their high school years or that sort of thing. You know, yeah. like there's so much good music being made all the time. It's I mean it might may take a little work sometimes to find it, but yeah, it's uh, it's there. I used to be of the mind that, well, music is, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, it's it's not, you know, the classic stuff is really great, mm-hmm. but new music doesn't have a lot of soul and feeling. And right. So you right. know, it's front-loaded. But um, you just have to look a little harder for the bands, mm-hmm. you know? My buddy um, from Boston just tipped me off on a new band uh, yesterday mm-hmm. called Tyler Bryant and the uh, Shakedown. Tyler okay. Bryant and the Shakedown. Great band. Cool. Like, love the band. And it's so exciting yeah. when you you know you listen to it and you're like oh yeah yeah, like, yeah. that's my thing nice right I'll so have to check that out yeah yeah check it out second guitar player is uh, I think it's Brad Whitford's son I'm pretty sure from oh. Aerosmith yeah yeah great record nice check it out yeah I will for sure I, I like yeah I'm, I'm just saying what we already said but I like discovering new music it's just like <laughs> so something so I feel like out there. even yeah. if you go back you know you go back well, yeah. to stuff and that's one of the cool things about doing the show is that you know you might come in with 
had I not heard of, you know, the Blue Nile, I'd be like, right. you know, I'd listen to it and go, wow, like, I didn't know about this stuff. There's right. so much stuff out there mm-hmm. that is just waiting to be discovered, you know? Yeah, yeah, and well, and that was it with me, the Blue Nile. I didn't know they existed, you know, yeah. until maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. And then it ended up being a huge influence on my new album. Yeah. All right, man, your last tune here is uh, by Land of Talk, speaking of um, lesser-known bands. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tune is called This Time. Yeah, and um, and I guess that's, you know, a nice segue because it's, you know, an album that came out this year, um, mm-hmm. a band that... Originally, I believe they're from Montreal. I know they spent a lot of time in Montreal, and it's sort of um, this one woman, kind of her, it's her project. Yeah, the what's band. An Elizabeth? Uh, uh, Elizabeth Powell. That's right. Yeah, and she's a um, really great songwriter. Um, she released a couple albums and then nothing for a while, and then this album came out this year, and it's it's really great. Um, I've I've met her a few times she she lives in Aurelia right now where I'm from oh wow so we've crossed paths a few times cool. uh, she's really great but um, but anyways this this song was the first single off the album and I haven't stopped playing it since it came out mm. maybe a year ago the single came out maybe maybe a little under uh, it's it's such a good song it's just like <laughs> it's just this like great driving beat um, the guitars are great the the, the the melody's fantastic that i don't yeah. know it's just it just grabs me you know yeah. the song and and it's like almost six minutes long and i i'm always like why it's it's over now what <laughs> really like what yeah every time i just wanted to keep going it's just this great everything about it's just like moves so well yeah so that's kind of a, kind of where i'm at with that song yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah um and it was you know i definitely wanted to include something uh more recent more modern yeah um and something I've, I've kind of been thinking about what, since I've was going over this, is that you know my influences. You know when I was younger, uh, is very you know, and for obvious probably obvious reasons, it's very male oriented. It's um you know like all we really listened to when we were younger were male artists. Yes. That's kind of what was, that's kind of what was there. You know that was what was given to us um, with few exceptions of course as you know Janis Joplin would have been mm-hmm. 75 today for example and I'm finding now with that in mind I'm trying to listen more openly like more mm-hmm. uh, or think about my choices that I'm listening to more yeah and I've really found over the last few years that the best albums have a lot of the best albums have been uh, female artists and um, anyways I think this is just all to say that I hope uh, I hope these lines are getting a little bit uh <laughs> that the things are getting a little better for that. <laughs> I think so. That kids, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, Were you a Joni Mitchell fan? I, you know, I've had so much trouble with getting. I don't know why, getting into Joni Mitchell. Really? Yeah, and I definitely wasn't before. I, I definitely appreciate it more now. Yeah. But I didn't listen to her very much. You know, getting when I started going through a lot of that classic rock and classic folk yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's great. I've I've always been a big fan of hers. Mm. Yeah, I, she really stands out for me. I, I love her stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first seven, eight records. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's, you know, it's a different time because now, you you know, I can't think of bands who put out seven records. You know, right. Very few, at least. Right. I don't know if you can call them bands. Right, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it was a, definitely a nice time where people could be nurtured a little bit. Yeah. And there was money 
I mean, the record companies had lots of money, and there's definitely a lot, a lot wrong with that system. Oh, for sure. Um, but the one nice thing was that, like, you could incubate a band, or you could spend money on the the yeah. vision that the artists wanted. It's just a shame that that doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore. There's no money anywhere that I know no, of. No, <laughs> everything is too. It's like it's the microwave generation. You know, back then, I think that bands were expected to kind of come along for their first two or three records, right? And they weren't really expected. They were, they were expected to develop. Yeah. And then maybe their third or fourth record hits. But now it's like you got one shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that, I mean, I don't think there, I don't think it's like there's a period that we're going to go into that like, uh, I don't think it's going to be replaced by another thing. I think it's like, this is it. I think it's going to be replaced by a bunch of different things, you know, and, um, you just got to figure out what works best for you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting. Yeah. And I guess more people have a voice now because of that. Uh, whereas, you know, this label system is very like, if you're not in a label, you're, you're done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but now you can kind of have a career without that. And yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. It's completely inverted. Yeah. 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 The good old days. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like I said too, I mean, there's some great bands out there now, Mm -hmm. you know, you just got to look so many, so many, so much great music. It's so, so neat and so varied. Yeah. The type of stuff you can listen to now is just. Absolutely. And so, and and the access is amazing. You know, it's like, and doing something like what you do, I'm not too sure if you're like you Spotify or anything like that, but yeah, I do actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's nice. That's when someone's life, someone does give you some obscure song. You can be like, Oh yeah, let me just look it up. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. It's just, everything's, I mean, it's, you know, there's pros and cons to that, I, mm-hmm. I guess, but probably more pros. The access you know, is nice. The access yeah. is really nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I just found, um, through Ballad and Plain D, I found a cover by a woman. It's actually not her album, but I don't remember the piano player whose album it is because she was so captivating. Her name's Isabel Sorling, mm-hmm. I think, and uh, she does a cover of this on the album. And through that, I just went down a rabbit hole of finding other releases that she's done yeah. because her voice is so great. But it's just it's amazing that you can just be like, oh, okay, well, what else have they done? Oh, yeah, yeah, let me listen to that. Oh, very cool. What this? What's this? What you know? And Exactly. If you like this, you may like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I do, I do like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I love, you know, I had a hard time with Spotify at first just because mm-hmm. you don't, you know, the, the concept of not owning the yeah. music for me was really kind of weird, which Same. is stupid if you think about it. But like, I was a kid who grew up owning records mm-hmm. and there was something to that. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, songs, you don't really own them anymore. They just kind of stream. It's inter- you know? It is interesting that like, I feel like I've used that word a lot today. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta work on my vocabulary. But anyways, um, Either, yeah, I understand. I'm the same way. Like, I love the tactile experience of having, yes. you know, I started collecting cassettes and then and then CDs. And now, and well, I've always kind of been collecting records, but really into records now. Yeah. Uh, so I agree with that. And I was especially like that when it was just downloading, when people were just downloading uh, music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for some reason, I just couldn't get into that at all. Me either. Um, Spotify has been a lot easier for me to understand mm-hmm. or, or use, maybe not understand, but to use and um, feel comfortable with. Yeah. But I mean, if I like an album enough, I'll just go and buy the record as well. as, And then that's the nice thing about buying records because records you can't take with you on the subway. Yes. But you could like buy a record to listen to at home and then put it on your Spotify. Exactly. Going to work or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. See, like you, I like that tactile experience mm-hmm. too. I like to hold it in my hands. I don't know why that is. Yeah. Maybe it's a nostalgic 
yeah. thing. I don't know, but I do like that a lot. And and it was funny because I was listening to that record I was talking about by Tyler Bryan, mm-hmm. The Shakedown, yesterday in my car on Spotify. You know, great feature. But it, sh- it shuffled, I noticed. And I didn't like that. Right. Because it kind of screwed up the, you know, the track listing for yeah. me. So when it, you listen to a record, you know, I, I and I thought, I thought about the differences in my listening preferences versus, you know, some you know, kid today mm-hmm. who doesn't really care about the concept of an album and track listings and that sort right. of thing. You just want to hear the the content. Right. right? But, you know, it's kind of weird because it, 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 it made me feel uncomfortable to hear, you know, track one and then track nine and then track six. Like I wanted to hear the order that yeah. they were set in. And that's, you know, for me, that's kind of the true representation of a record, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, and makes the same, no sense to some yeah, people. I'm the same way. I'm an album guy for sure, and, yeah. I, and I like to listen to albums. And I, you know, really try try to make my albums work like albums. You know, where they there's like an ebb and flow. There's like yes. peaks and valleys, and and yeah. you know, the the whole time I knew what out what song what how I wanted to start and end that album. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I knew certain things about what I wanted in the album. So, yep. so I do. Uh, I'm I'm the same way with that. I do appreciate a an album and and, and listening to it like an album um, yeah. someone was saying to me that um or they had heard that uh, an interesting point about how like music we feel like we're going back to how music used to be mm. where where sorry how music was uh consumed mm-hmm. uh where originally it was a singles that is true company, right? you know it was like singles you know and then and then albums, and now we're getting back to the age of singles. You know, yeah, where where yeah. where it's about song, individual songs, as opposed to albums. That's right. Which is pretty pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting to see it go back that way. Mm-hmm. Because back in the days of like Sun Studios, guys mm-hmm. would just they they couldn't they didn't have the money maybe to record a full record. They would cut a couple singles and just throw them out there. Mm-hmm. And it was all like radio play was was what was big. So you're, yes. you're releasing you're you're recording a single, and then you accumulate enough that maybe you can put them on an album. You know, yeah, yeah. it was a huge. <laughs> project mm-hmm. a whole album right big yeah. deal right yeah yeah back then yeah <laughs> yeah the, the beatles and the stones the same thing i think yeah. they, they, they just and they didn't even write their own songs mm-hmm. they would just cover something else and throw it out there mm-hmm. and hope that it got on the radio right and now it's a pretty smart strategically to release singles uh to keep things moving yeah you can look at your your data on uh, and and you get down i don't know, maybe i shouldn't look at my my data, my Spotify data, because it's like, <laughs> you know, you can see like, oh, I had this many listeners, and now it's kind of, you can see the line literally kind of going down the further away from the release you get. Yeah. So it's now kind of more strategic to re- keep releasing singles and albums and, and EPs just them along. and just keep, yeah, keep those yeah. numbers up. And yeah, uh, it's maybe a little cynical way to look at it, but. Uh, well, it's uh, I just had this discussion with a guy from a, a really hot band that I love right now called Crownlands. Mm two guys i don't know if you've heard of them uh, i don't think so no band out of oshawa just oh, okay. terrific nice. um and he said the same thing so they've released two eps mm-hmm. and these guys are you know 21 22 years old so i said uh, when's the record coming out uh-huh. you know and that was like the 40 plus year old in me right 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 and he's like well you know we just we'll probably you know record singles and put them out there and i'm like but when, when can i get a record right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he's probably thinking jesus christ what is this going as a record for? <laughs> yeah different it, times yeah different in, times. yeah and i and i guess it goes back to like there's no one way to do it either you know no 
people people do pretty well still just releasing records i don't know you find what works for you yeah or what people your audience wants yeah i I think it's just you got to survey the landscape and determine what's best for you as an artist i think right Mm -hmm. yeah well thanks for coming in today man this is a great chat yeah this is really nice and a great space yeah this uh, is uh this is a good spot the studio in the in the in the spoke club downtown toronto i mean your listeners can't see but um i came here straight from work so i'm like i I literally have like paint on my jeans (laughs) and like uh and i come into this this lovely uh spoke club here and uh (laughs) if i thought i was here to like check the radiator or something (laughs) Well, thank you very much for coming in. Thank I appreciate you for having it. me. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get you back on the show if you're interested. I'd be happy to, yeah. for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good luck in Europe and thank good you. luck with all your uh, future gigs this year and with Topaz. Thank you very much. Yeah. And good luck with uh, keeping the podcast going. It's thank great. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. All right. This has been Brent Jensen and No Sleep Till Sudbury with my very special guest, Mr. Sean William Clark. Until next time, folks, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subway, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.